if you're a survivor, if you have a family member who is a friend, send them my way. We would be glad to help them in any way that we can, to help you in any way that we can. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I am your host, Kamanzi Constable. And as you may have noticed, Jared is not here today. We kicked him off the island. Jody and I are taking over. <laughs> I'm happy to have Jody Mayberry from JodyMaryBayberry.com, ParkLeaders.com. And he is the host of the Creating Disney Magic podcast. And Jody's a regular here. So, hey, Jody, what's up? Hey, Kamanzi. I'm, I'm glad we were finally able to shake Jared and have some time together. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Uh, should we talk bad about him, Jody? We probably shouldn't. He does listen to these shows. You said that last time, man. First you and then Aaron Chase wouldn't give me any dirt on him. This is not going well, Jody. And uh, we are delighted to have a very special co-host. Rachel Thompson is with us. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me. I'm and this excited. is a f- first time appearance for you on Starve the Dots, correct? It is. It's my first time here. So you're going to have to bring it. Oh, I always bring it. Please. I'm a redhead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means, but okay. (laughs) So our guest today is Bobby Parrish and Bobby is a travel recovery coach. She's an author. She's a psych central and Goodman project writer. She's the founder of the no more shame project and trauma recovery university. And she's probably one of the busiest people that I know online. Um, So Bobby's always got her hands into something. So Bobby, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you so much. And being in wonderful company too. So sweet. So Bobby, we always start Starve the Doubts with the same question. And you probably know it's coming because you co-hosted before. So Bobby, (laughs) what's the best concert you've ever been to? (laughs) Well, you know. I have to say the best concert that I ever went to was <laughs> Michael Bolton and Kenny G way back in the day. Um, One of those times. I know way back in Jody, the day. <laughs> Jody, <laughs> Jody, Rachel, somebody help me. Pardon? I know. <laughs> he wants you to rescue him. Uh, yeah, I have no response to that. <laughs> <laughs> Kamanji, I find myself wishing Jared was here right now. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. I know, but you know, I was a teenager and it was the first concert I had ever gone to in my entire life. And, you know, people would, that was in before cell phones. So people were actually holding up lighters, you know, rather than their iPhones with the lights turned on. And Michael Bolton sang Singing on the Dock of the Bay with Kenny G playing saxophone and, you know. For a young Catholic girl who had never gotten out much in her life, it was quite magical. Uh, well, um, if anybody's still listening, Jody, Jody, why don't you start us off with the questions? Wow, there was a lot of hair on stage at that concert. Yeah, there was. <laughs> well, we should probably move on to the content here. You've kind of forced us to just go deep early now. So. <laughs> Bobby, you have chosen to speak openly about the hardships that you've faced in life, such as homelessness and mental illness. These are things that many people don't discuss. I'm even hesitant to talk about 
being sad because my dog died. Why are you so open about talking about these things? Well, you know, I didn't used to be. I haven't always been for a long time. I was very ashamed of the struggles that I had. You know, in high school, I was uh, voted most likely to succeed. And instead of feeling proud of that, I was ashamed because I felt like I had failed. But it wasn't until about two years ago that I started blogging and started speaking up about these things that I feel like I kind of finally found my feet in life and people started responding and they said, hey, yeah, I've been there. I get it. I understand. And they started coming forward in just droves saying, you know, nobody talks openly about these things. I'm so glad you're talking about it. I feel like I'm finally being heard, like somebody finally understands. And that was the beginning of me being able to understand that my flaws are my superpower. They're not something that I should hide behind. They're not anything I should glorify, but they're not something to hide. A lot of people out there have them. In fact, everybody has them. And when I talk about them, it leaves a lot of people feeling a whole lot less alone. <laughs> no, I like that answer. I think you're talking about our flaws makes us, humanizes us. Absolutely. And it gives other people permission to talk about theirs. Mm-hmm. And, and there goes the shame. Yeah. And shame is a big part of it. As a survivor myself, I can so relate to that. Yeah. Now, you are about to publish your memoir about your recovery <laughs> from childhood sexual abuse. And I know this because I'm the director of the imprint that's publishing it. Why, which is called Gravity, I have to get a little plug in there. Through book trope. Through book trope. Why do you feel that you want to share that story? Well, you know, this took a lot of courage for me to do. And I won't, I'll be the first one to tell you this is absolutely terrifying for me because I'm what I'm going to talk about. I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and I really struggled with that for many decades. And then I spent 10 days in a psychiatric ward in Washington state that specifically deals with trauma survivors. And that was a turning point for me. That was the point when I finally made my peace with what had happened to me and confronted it head on. And with the help of some amazing people and other survivors that were there with me, decided that my life was worth living and I'm going to go for it. And so I'm, I really, I want to talk about that because every day, every day I hear from survivors who say, I can't live like this one more day. I can't, I can't do it. I hate my life. It's never going to change. I feel so broken. And I want to let people know that you can be in that horrible, horrible place and come out on the other side. You just can't. Because I will, I'll never deny that I felt like I was living in hell, but I made it to the other side. Bobby, in uh, November of 2014, you published an anthology of childhood sexual abuse survivor stories, and there had to have been a lot in there. How many stories were in there? What was that like? What was it like pulling all of this together? Well, this was amazing. And this was something that Rachel and I did along with the third founder of the No More Shame Project, Athena Moberg. And, you know, uh, Rachel and I co-host a Twitter chat on Tuesday nights for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we saw the power of people sharing their story. I mean, you've been there for that, Rachel. It's just crazy how amazing it is when people share what they've been through and others go, I get it. Mm-hmm. The power of community is, 
you write about that a little bit in the latest post on my blog. Uh, Bobby is a staff writer for me on rachelandtheoc.com. And I'm so grateful because she brings both sides. And I think that's going to be a future book as well, both sides of the desk. She's able to share being a therapist as well as being, you know, a survivor. And that's what we see in, in the chats is people who have never spoken about their stories before will say, oh my gosh, I feel that too. Or yeah, that happens to me. And they don't feel so alone. And I think that's something that, you know, through the chat, the whole point of a chat is that it's public and it helps remove the stigma of of talking about these extremely difficult issues, which is why I published my memoirs as well. And I'm so proud of Bobby that she's doing that. So Please continue, Bobby. Well, and that's that's why we came up with the anthology, is we saw the power and people speaking out in the Twitter chats, and we went, hey, you know, only so many people see the Twitter chats. Let's try and spread that out a little bit to a larger audience. And so we asked people to submit their stories, which stories not meaning fiction, but their essays about their experience and their poetry. And we were just swamped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took us a solid month to narrow it down. I think we ended up with 24 entries in the anthology. And it was so powerful for even the people to write them, because I know so many of the people who wrote for us, that was the first time they had ever publicly admitted that they were a survivor and what had happened to them. And then we put them together in this anthology. And I know it was powerful for people to read, powerful to write, it was certainly very powerful for the three of us to edit, to be a part of that. And what was amazing is we self-published this one within, what, Rachel, maybe a couple months after publishing, we had mm-hmm. two different publishers come to us and say, mm-hmm. come to you and say, we want to be a part of this. Yeah. And we want to feature it. We want to get the word out. We'd love to publish the next one. Or are you with the publisher? I mean, it was really Pretty unbelievable. I mean, I think part of it is that we, you know, have a large platform between the three of us, but also all the the networking and connections, of course, that we've made through the advocacy and each individually and of course together with the community. But I think also the courage it took. I think when people read these stories, they are just so moving and almost unbelievable when you read some of the things that people have been through. It's hard to believe that some of these people have survived and yeah and thrive and it, it's just very very moving. It's been it was so powerful and so we had our choice. We had two publishers who came to us and said we want this and we elected to go with Book Trope and I think we're so blessed that Gravity has come to be since the time that we decided to go with Book Trope and so now we're able to publish under this imprint that is like it was custom designed. Mm-hmm. Just for our anthology. <laughs> I know. It's a perfect fit. And Gravity is about trauma and recovery stories. So it's it's just like it was waiting just to yes, it hand was. it over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bobby, I've noticed that so much of what you do seems to revolve around telling your story and encouraging others to tell their story. Why is that? Because I honestly believe that when we tell our story and own our truth as ugly as it might have been, we set ourselves free from that shame. You know, lately I've been doing a lot of talking about the lies that abuse teaches us. 
And it teaches us when we're abused, particularly as children, because that's a time when our brain is really, really developing. And it doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It can be verbal abuse, emotional abuse, can even be neglect. That abuse tells us four things about ourselves. It tells us that we should be ashamed of what happened to us, that we're damaged and we don't belong. If anyone knows the true story of who we really are, they would reject us. And so we live our lives trying to contort ourselves into what other people, we think other people expect of us. And then our abuse tells us that we're to blame for what happened to us, that somehow we caused it. And it tells us that we're powerless because when we were children, we kind of were powerless against the abuse. And so it tells us that for the rest of our life, we'll never be able to do anything good. We'll never be able to create anything good. It will just be bad, 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 bad. And then our abuse tells us that we're not good people, that we shouldn't have a lot of self-worth. In fact, I meet a lot of abuse survivors who hate themselves. But I find that when you stand up and you tell your story, when you own your story, and even more so when you own the truth of your story, all of those things, all four of those things start to fade. And then we can claim the truth of who we are. And so absolutely, Jody, I am just a huge advocate of people telling their story and in conjunction with that, owning their truth. Because when they do that, it's really hard for shame to persist. It's really hard for self-loathing, for powerlessness, for blame all to persist. I think that's just a silver bullet. I agree. So with regard to the Twitter chat that we host on Tuesday nights at six o'clock PM Pacific time. Yay. um, Yay. It's for survivors of childhood sexual abuse. It's also for families, friends, anybody who really wants to learn more. We have a topics every week that you come up with. And we have mostly received positive feedback, but there has been some negative feedback from other mental health (laughs) professionals about that. Do you want to speak a little bit about what happened and basically how I let you handle that? Um, Just so (laughs) people know, I don't have a psychology degree. I Part of the reason I wanted to start the chat was so that we could talk about it publicly, but I've, I've always been very clear that I am not a mental health professional. And that's why I wanted Bobby to co-host the chat with me. So she gets to handle these fun things. (laughs) (laughs) Along with the good stuff comes some of the difficult things too. So what happened and um, how did you respond, Bobby? Well, you know, I think what's interesting is I know that when we started to do those things, we thought we would get a lot of blowback from people saying, oh, you shouldn't talk about those things on Twitter. Let's not talk about those things on Twitter. Those are just things better left for private. But what we got was this, this is so amazing. I love it. It's cool. Where we got the blowback were from my peers, from other therapists, from other mental health professionals. They, in fact, we got a specific, and I'll, I'll call them right out and call in a, an attack from a counseling group saying, this is foolish. This is professionally foolish for you to do because trauma survivors are by nature unstable. And when you talk about these things in public, you're going to push them to places where they're going to decompensate and then harm themselves. So this is a huge liability and you need not to do this anymore. And I was so shocked because I thought, wow, we're just out here trying to help people. And so I know that, Rachel, you and I had multiple flurried conversations about this Mm -hmm. and it really made me think for a minute, oh, well, maybe she's right. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this is bad. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Eventually, we decided, you know what? We're not here to offer therapy. We're here to offer support and education. And so we started doing a disclaimer at the beginning of the Twitter chats saying, you know, this isn't meant to be therapy if you need therapy. And then we started offering some hotlines and things. But we decided, you know, to keep going. And of all of the people in the community who have had the most problem with what we do, it is it's other mental health professionals. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure whether it's a professional jealousy <clears throat> thing or it's that they truly do believe that trauma survivors are so incredibly unstable that we can't talk about these things in public. But I have yet to have an experience. I have definitely had people contact me after a Twitter chat or after Google Hangout and say, I am so triggered. That was so awful. I can't get these mm-hmm. thoughts out of my mind. But we've never had an experience where things have, you know, gone to heck in a handbasket. No. And we haven't been able to, you know, write the baby buggy, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but it was, I was surprised. Bobby, you and your uh, business partner have some unique ways of interacting with your community. Could you tell us what those are and how they're working? Well, you know, we, um, Athena and I, came to discover that survivors like to have face-to-face interaction. And like Rachel talked about, you know, we could talk about these things in private, but when you talk about that in public, it makes them more real. And so a lot of survivors, when they're younger, a lot of their reality was denied. They'd say, you know, what's going on, mom and dad, why are you fighting all the time? Oh, there's nothing wrong, dear. You just mind your own business. Or, you know, Sometimes, you know, we tell a a parent or an adult, sometimes Uncle Johnny touches me and, oh dear, it's just his way. Just stay away from him, you know, especially when he's drinking. They're there. It's okay. So we learn to watch people really closely for signs of their being dishonest with us. And one of the ways that we do that is to actually like to meet with people face to face. Survivors are by nature very visual people. And so when Athena and I decided that we wanted to share more information, we did a Google Hangout because it allows the survivors to see us. And you have to watch one of these some days because Athena is, she's very, very animated when she talks. And sometimes when she's trying to say something to the survivors, to our audience, she will literally put her face right in the camera and she'll say, no, I really want you to hear this. It's very important to Athena that they see her and they see that she's being honest and that she's being truthful and she's not denying their reality. And Athena had a connection with someone who does a Roku channel, Renee Christine at Rich Mom. And so Renee Christine offered to help us transition our Google Hangout over onto Roku TV. And Renee Christine has had this huge growth in her business and her following when she moved her business broadcasts over to Roku TV. And so we did this and it's just been amazing. Our email list is growing. We're getting messages from people saying, hey, I saw you on Roku TV. You know, when survivors can't sleep in the middle of the night because they have insomnia, they can get on Roku TV or on our YouTube channel and they just binge watch the episodes that we have. And I think we probably have close to 35 hours of content. And for those those listeners that don't know Roku TV, what, what is that real quick? It is a cable alternative like Apple TV 
like Amazon Fire TV, like Chromecast. It has a little, you can either get a little set-top box like your cable box, or it comes, it looks like a little jump drive, like you, what you get from Chromecast or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And you plug it into your television, and then it connects with Roku TV via Wi-Fi. And then you can get all the network channels. You can subscribe to Amazon Fire. You can get your Netflix. You can get Hulu TV. It's a cable alternative, and it's kind of ground floor in terms of being able to have your own Roku TV channel. I know some people like John Lee Dumas has a channel. A couple of other people are starting to, you know, to jump over there and start your own channel. It's kind of amazing. You can have your own TV channel, you know, who to thunk it. Yeah. (laughs) Bobby, you had an article go viral last month about your decision to raise your son in poverty so he wouldn't have to go to daycare. You got some very negative feedback from readers. What was that whole experience like? Oh, that was ugly. <laughs> there was this weird combination of really cool and really hard at the same time. You know, and this is one of those instances where you tell your story and for some reason people really resonated with that. I didn't of all the articles I've ever written, I had no idea that that would be one that would go viral, that it would hit people as close to home, it struck a nerve. And I got a lot of negative feedback about how dare you think that you actually lived in poverty. I live in, you know, the corner of Kentucky where, you know, we don't have food to eat at the end of the day. We don't have electricity. We don't have running water. Other people telling me you make it sound like poverty is a choice. How dare you? Poverty is not a choice. And you're setting back all of us who are poor because we had no choice. It was, I've finally stopped reading the comments because oh. it was so it was so horrible and oh that I was a bad mother because I chose to shelter my son and I needed to have put him in daycare where he could interact with other people and that would have been the best thing for him but you know by the same token I got a ton of email from people saying thank you thank you for sharing this I chose to do the same thing I was a cardiologist working in a New York hospital And my son was born, he had special needs, and I chose to quit my job. And she said, I got nothing but flack about it. I got email from people as far away as Mongolia. Wow. Tell, yeah, telling me that they were thankful. But again, I guess it's just one of those episodes of when you choose to tell your truth, when you choose to tell your story, you have to, I guess, respect the right for other people to tell their truth and tell their story back to you. (laughs) So Bobby... Real quick, give us a Reader's Digest sound, uh, podcaster clip on what somebody should do if they do encounter haters, maybe even for the first time. Oh, wow. Don't take it personally. If you have to, stop reading the comments. Uh, certainly don't reply to them because while you may not be taking it personally, the other person may be taking it very personally and they will argue with you till their voice fails. And I guess just realize that If you've done nothing other than cause people to think and examine their thoughts and their values and their opinions, whether it came out negative or positive, that's a good thing. You know, Kamanzi, I know that you've uh, you've struck some nerves lately Mm. with your move to Maui pieces. (laughs) Yeah, I sometimes I enjoy those. Maybe I should. (laughs) Sometimes I enjoy those. So, Rachel, let's kick it to you. Sure. I just want to make a real quick comment. I think you striking a nerve and 
creating that emotion in people is a win. So I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, even though their comments may be negative. I still see that as a positive. So that's my thought on that anyway. So kudos to you. Thank you, Um, Rachel. You're welcome. So what did you do, do you feel that you did, are still doing, to get from such a dysfunctional childhood to such a place of success and happiness? I did my work. And as hard as that may be, I think you have to tackle that hard stuff. You know, you have to figure out why you're doing what you're doing and heal that damage. But I think just a huge part of it, an absolutely huge part of how I got from there to here has been embracing my imperfections and using them to help myself and to help other people and being honest about them. You know, I um, I still struggle with depression. I think I'll probably struggle with depression for the, the rest of my life. The odds are not in my favor of ever recovering the length of time that I've had it, but I do the best I can with it. And I'm as functional as I can be with it. And it's just one of my limitations. It's one of my you know, my imperfections. And when I let other people know, you know what, I struggle with this. It's the most amazing thing. I'm sorry. I really do think, I know it sounds very Pollyanna-ish, but I really do think it's an amazing thing to give someone else the gift of being able to say, hey, me too. It's Mm -hmm. nice to know I'm not alone. Bobby, who's doing something that interests you? Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Brene Brown, and I know she probably gets talked about a lot, but when I grow up, I want to be like her. She's amazing. Um, she's the queen of opening the door to shame. And people talk about shame now and they kick it to the curb. It's a part of our language now because of her. And before her, we didn't talk about shame. Well, now we talk about it. And if nothing else in this world, I want people I want their lives to be better because of something that I did like that. Bobby, as we wrap up here, where can people connect with you online? They can connect with me on my website, bobbyparish.com. And there's also traumarecoveryuniversity.com. And I'm on Facebook. They're more than willing to welcome to friend me. And probably the place where I hang out the most often is Twitter. And on Twitter, I am truth is hers. And Rachel, tell us where we can connect with you and tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Sure. For my author account, I'm Rachel in the OC. OC stands for Orange County. I don't live there anymore, but I did for 17 years. That's in California. So Rachel in the OC.com, on Twitter, Facebook, pretty much everywhere. It's Rachel in the OC. And for my business, I'm Bad Redhead Media. That's all one word. And that's the same. It's Twitter, Facebook, my website, Google Plus, everywhere. Uh, you can find me there. I wear a lot of hats. (laughs) Um, And all very well. Oh, thank you. I have four books out, two are humor, and they're all nonfiction. And two, uh, like Bobby, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. My two books regarding that topic are Broken Pieces and Broken Places, which was just released in January from Book Trope and so far has done extremely well. And I'll be embarking on a blog tour coming up here in a couple weeks. And so you'll be, there'll be a lot more information out there about it. So far, it's just done quite well, gotten lots of five-star reviews and all that wonderful stuff. And working for Booktrope has been 
great. I don't actually work for them, but what was just really fascinating to me was they approached me about, gosh, maybe a month or six weeks ago and said, with all the advocacy work that's come out of having released Broken Pieces two years ago and working with Bobby and Athena and starting Sex Abuse Chat and the No More Shame Project and just all the things that we've been able to achieve, they said, what would you think of having your own imprint where you can bring these stories of trauma and recovery to life and being the director of the imprint? And I, I was like, really? <laughs> this was yeah. not in my five-year plan, but aren't those the most wonderful surprises of all when somebody yep. throws that to you? And of course, I wanted to do that. So that has really taken over my life. I have submissions everywhere and I have screeners and I've made my mom a screener. She's a very fast reader and she knows quality. <laughs> so I basically just pay her in, in lunches here and there. She's pretty cheap date. So, but yeah, so I've been doing that and it's been really exciting. So I call it gravity and for anybody who's interested, they can go to booktrope.com, submit their work, it goes through a screening process that I'm not a part of. Again, I don't work for Booktrope, but if they feel that a story is fiction or nonfiction and is appropriate for this particular imprint, then they'll send it my way. And then ultimately I get to decide, which being an author is so strange for me to be yeah, on the other be on side the other of side. it. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's really hard to say no to people and I don't like having to do that, but they have a a really wonderful system in place where I don't have to say no to people, which is really nice that someone else gets to do that. So I get to be the good guy, which is great. And then I'm also working with, with regard to Bad Redhead Media, I work with a lot of authors and small businesses. Some of my authors are traditionally published New York Times bestsellers who just have no time whatsoever to do their social media or just don't understand how to do it. So they give it to me to do. And some are indie authors who, you know, have no idea really what branding means. And I spend a few hours with them and, and off they go. So it's really a, I have a lot, I worked for Big Pharma. I'm recovered now. Thank you. But I, I did that for 17 years. So I, I do have that marketing and sales experience. So it's nice to throw it all into the pot and use it all at this point in a way that, you know, beneficial to not just myself, but to help others. So it's really been a wonderful few years to put it all together. Good. Thank you, Rachel. Bobby, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? You know, just if you're a survivor, if you have a family member who is a friend, send them my way. We would be glad to help them in any way that we can to help you in any way that we can. So that would be, that would just be my parting thought. Well, Jody, I want to thank you for co-hosting. Rachel, I want to thank you as well for hopping in here with me and Jody. And then Bobby, thank you. thank you for all this info, for putting yourself out there, for willing to be vulnerable. Thank um, you. I know there's people that connect with that and that are hurting and, and are afraid. So I hope this gives them courage to be able to come out and, and reach out and say, hey, I need help. Yes. So we are um, glad you came. And, thank you. Uh, Starved Adults listeners, we'll be back again, and hopefully Jared will be able to hop back on the island. But if not, maybe we'll get Jody again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here, Kamanji. Thank you. <laughs> 
if you've done nothing other than cause people to think and examine their thoughts and their values and their opinions, whether it came out negative or positive, that's a good thing. 